Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. You ever been the product of someone's grace? Like, you've been in some situation where you were completely and utterly at the hands of somebody else, you owed them big time, and you are the product of someone letting you off the hook. I've been in that many situations, such many, many times, and one of the things I think about the most was my early young 20s and debt collectors. In college, when we got married, uh, we collected some debt in college, and I didn't know, like, credit cards, you have to pay them back. I, I learned that now, but I thought, hey, free money, right? Like, that pizza sounds good. So I, I, we get these credit cards, and I went without much in my pocket. So we'd go, and I'd use these credit cards to get pizza and books and whatever I could do. And then this crazy thing happened. They wanted their money back. And I was a college student. I didn't have money. So I didn't pay them back. And my wife didn't really do that either. And so when we got married, we got this huge pile of debt that we brought into this and we had these really nice people calling us on the phone asking very gently and kindly for their money back that's not how that works if you don't know we would have debt collectors call and they were extremely intense we need our money we need our money now and i said we didn't have we had nothing we have no money you owe us money And so these debt collectors would send threatening letters in the mail that if you don't pay us, we will take you to court. I'm like, take what you can. We got nothing, right? We were poor, young people. And these debt collectors made me feel less than nothing. Now, they weren't doing that on purpose. And if you're a debt collector, great job. Keep doing what you're doing. But I'm just saying this. (laughs) It's how I felt. I was so indebted to these people. And I knew I had no option but to pay. It was a terrible feeling to be in debt to somebody. But maybe you have a situation in your life where somebody in your life helped you and now they hold it over your head and they control you. In abusive relationships, this is very often seen. They'll say such things as, hey, I did this for you. You owe me. You now have to give this back to me. They make you feel small. And this carrot that they dangle over the top of your head makes you feel like you're not worth anything because now you're indebted to this person and you are like in a jail cell and you can't be freed from it. This owing people or owing makes you feel small. If you've ever been in any of these situations or a situation in which you had a debt in which you could not pay, you know what that feels like. It's not a good place to be. Your self-esteem goes through the, the, through the floor You feel like you have no self-worth. You start to see your future as impossible. You start to add all these things up and like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to get out of this. The greatest day, well, there's many great days in my life. I should be very careful when I say this. One of the greatest days of my life was the day I sent my last check to Sally Mae for my college, all my college debt. I took my online I filled in the numbers, I hit send, and I partied hard. I'm like, yes, because it took me 20 years to pay. 
little bit here and there, a little bit here and there, and we did what we could to pay it off. And then I looked at the end of this. I had over $13,000 in interest alone was spent for a degree I don't even use anymore because I was a pastor, not even using my undergraduate degree. And that debt and that crushing feeling is just like, oh, my word, I'm free. So any college students right now, let me tell you what it feels like when you pay off that debt. If you've paid off your debt, you know what it feels like. It is like a freedom of this weight that falls off of you if you could just get to that point. And that freedom of that weight changed my life. I started to see things differently. I'm like, hey, we don't have to pay so much money to this debt. We now have more money over here for this. We could start to plan. And the freedom changed the way that I saw things. When you owe body, somebody, it is hard. When you're freed from something, it is freeing. And that's what we're going to be studying today in Ephesians. We're in the identity series. To catch you up, we're looking at this idea of what is the identity that is found through a relationship with God and with Christ. And oftentimes, if you are new to the faith or exploring Christianity, you don't quite understand usually oftentimes what the Bible is saying about who you are called and created to be. Because it's confusing. We look at the world around us, and then we look at the Bible, and the Bible says I should be one way. The world says I should be another. It's confusing. If you are a believer, it's confusing. Because you see what you're supposed to be, yet you struggle and don't understand and believe the identity that God has for us. But in the scriptures, we actually find absolute freedom. Today's passage is Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bible apps, Bibles iPads, for those who are here, we have them on sheets. This is one of the unbelievably awesome verses to memorize. If you are looking for a spiritual challenge, if you're looking to find truth, we're going to break down how 10 verses gives you a broken identity to a new identity because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2, we see four main topics. I'm going to work through these topics in 10 short verses you're going to see a key passage to your identity. The key passage is this. First, we'll start with you were dead, living in sin and living for evil. Two, in this terrible state, Jesus saved you. Three, there's nothing you can do to earn it. And four, you're now created to do good things for God. In 10 small verses, you go from death to life, from broken to healed, to no identity to full identity. And this new full identity that you are given gives you a beautiful new purpose. And this purpose in which you exist is you are freed from your debts. And now he's freed you. He's sent you to go free other people. It is an awesome story. But unfortunately, we get bogged down with the word religion. We get bogged down with this idea, I've got to do things or God's mad at me. If I don't do good things, I'm not going to get to heaven. We start to get into weird nuances that actually puts more weight on us, and our identity is not that. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10 is going to blow all that out of the water. But I'm going to start small and work through it verse by verse. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Here's our theme. You were dead living in sin and living for evil. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We, by very human nature, because we're riddled with sin, there's this sickness that riddles us. Because we're riddled with this sin, it is like a disease that's taking over everything, and now we live for that sin. And so when living in this sin, we follow the rules of this kingdom. And if you haven't heard our recent series, our series before this was Return to the Sermon on the Mount, we have two podcasts I encourage you to listen to, Sermon on the Mount and Return to the Sermon on the Mount. You can hear those uh, on our websites and streaming platforms. Because in those sermons, we talked about what is the kingdom of God like? There's two kingdoms that are ex existing, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God is completely opposite to the kingdom of the world. I just summarized the whole thing. Now you don't have to podcast. But this is talking about this kingdom. So he says this, you were so dead, you are living literally for Satan. And when you're living for Satan, you are dead, and all you are doing is consuming everything that you want and everything that your flesh is wanting and desiring. You are like a baby who steals everything for yourself, hoards, and lives in a sin-riddled life. That's how this amazing passage I just told you to memorize starts. But here's the, that's the truth. Is this is where we all begin. All of us begin in this state. So the kingdom of God is the complete opposite. The kingdom of God says, I give everything away. I serve you. I give to you. I love you. The kingdom of God says, you are greater than I. The kingdom of God says, love instead of hate. But we are doing the opposite. So we live in this kingdom of Satan. It's crazy when you think about it. But I want to give you an example to help you understand. Because oftentimes we think, I'm not that bad, or I really didn't do that, or mm, maybe not me. Let me give you an example. It's a coarse example, but I want you to think about it. You bring 50 starving children to a restaurant. These kids haven't eaten for weeks. They're poor, poorest of the poor. They're malnourished. You can see their ribs. They're starving. And you say, I'm going to take you to the restaurant. And so you take these children to the restaurant, and there's all this noise and commotion. They're excited. They're going to have food. And the restaurant owner comes out and says, I'm sorry. I only have enough food for one person. And you say, that's no problem. Bring it out. They bring out the food. You have the plate put in front of you, and you just start eating as much as you can. You eat all of it up. You lick the plate, and there's nothing for the kids. That is the sin nature. That is what sin does. That's what your sin is. Everything around us is in need for us to serve and go out, that we are supposed to be living for the kingdom, which would say, this food is for you, and we would sacrifice ourselves. But the sin nature says, no, everything's about me, and it's for me. And the kingdom of Satan lives in this, and your sin nature is driving towards it. So now you're like, great Father's Day message, I feel terrible about myself. You should. That's how terrible sin is. Sin is this corruption that is not to be played with, toyed with, kind of let some in your life. It is taking food when 50 starving children are around you and say, I want what's mine. Your sin nature destroys and spits in the face of generosity 
of grace, of love, that's sin. So you're not that extreme, right? You're like, okay, cool story. I would never do that. I understand. But think about every time that you choose your sin nature, yourself or your desires over somebody else. Maybe you don't do it that much with people that you love, but what about when you do it with people that you don't know, strangers, and you choose your sin nature over that person who's driving next to you and is driving way too slow in the right lane. I know who you are because I see your fingers at me sometimes. You're in the right lane. They're driving way too slow, and you think all these things because your sin nature says, I'm more important than you. I want you to do what I want you to do. Why aren't you going the speed that I want you to go? You're stupid for driving in the left lane, over in the right lane. Pick a lane. What's wrong with you? And then you're all red-faced, right? You're red-faced, you're frustrated, you drive off, and your day is ruined, and literally that person's just driving along, sipping on their coffee, and your mind is blown that someone could be so stupid. And you take this human, created in God's image, and you demean it into something less than you because you are the best thing in the world. That is sin nature. Sounds terrible, but that's what we do. Small, little ways, all the time. And so when we look at Ephesians 2, it lays out this case for us that in this opposition of God, in this way that we're living, we are living in counter to the kingdom. And we are in a terrible, terrible place. But we keep reading. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 has this theme. But we don't stay in this terrible state. Jesus saved us. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But, I love the word but right there, because he lays this cause of this terrible story. But, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up in Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Well, here's the answer. Wow, this is so simple. We create this huge mess. And the answer is here. We see God's motivation. If you wonder what God is motivated by, why is he doing things? It says right here, but because of his great love for us. Selfish, indulgent, sin-ridden, terrible human beings. God loved you. If you don't have an identity in knowing that God actually loves you, God loved you and loves you just as you are. And that's the part that gets a little confusing. Because depending on your religious story and your background, we start to get these stories in our head which say this, God loves me if. God loves me if I go to church more. God loves me if I help people out more. God loves me if, and we start filling in these blanks, but God loves you simply because God does. He just does. He just loves we are so in debt to God. He has us on the hook for everything. We are toast. We can't pay it back. We have so much debt and sin and we're riddled with it and God knows it and he loves us and he just forgives us. It's an unbelievable story. I get why most people are frustrated 
with church and Christianity and their, this new movement of deconstructing faith. I understand it because we've gotten away from the beauty of the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God just simply loves. That is an amazing story which is, takes the riddled sin out of us and when we keep doing it, he keeps forgiving it just because he loves. He just loves you. He just loves you. We can forget about that. Because when we start to get forget about that love, we start to think about, I'm not good enough. The stories which you've heard before, if I walk into a church and collapse, maybe, not this one, we've been working on 206, it's legit. <laughs> I hope. The church is not going to collapse. You're seeing yourself wrong. God simply loves you. If you said, you don't understand my story, my past, and all these things I've done, I say to you, God just simply loves you. When you think that you have done or gone or are or whatever your story is in your identity, but I, and you start to feel how your story doesn't fit into God's story, you are not listening to the truth of the gospel. You're making up your own crazy story in your head. The truth is that God simply loves you when you are full of sin. And this is the part that blows my mind. What exactly do I bring into this relationship? Because every good relationship, there should be some give and take, right? Like, she can cook, I can do laundry. Like, I'm a good communicator, she's good at details, whatever, right? Something's got to be brought to relationship. We bring absolutely nothing. You bring nothing to the relationship. We bring in sin and death and selfishness and self-focus. But God looks to us and his mercy is so great. His merciful heart sees that we can't save ourselves and takes us to this place where he takes all of God's wrath, goes on Jesus Christ on your behalf. And this beautiful story shares that this incomparable grace, one that we couldn't earn ourselves, is all because of Jesus Christ that the deflection of our sin now goes off of us to him and his grace. So how do you earn that? You can't earn it. That's the part that also kind of frustrates us because we want to have some ownership in things, right? That's not love. You don't have to earn love. Love is given. If you're earning it, then you're indebted to somebody. But this is a debt remover, a debt eraser. This is, he signed off on that college bill. He just canceled all your credit card bills. Everything is cleared. You are debt free. That is love. But there's more. Not only does he save us, he raises up to be with them for eternity in the heavenly realms. In Harold uh, Honer's book, Ephesians, the Bible Knowledge Commentary, he says this. I love this statement. Christ's post-resurrection state has new, powerful, and unique. So too, Christians in whom Christ dwells have a new, powerful, and unique life and position. This new life, power, and position demand that believers have a new set of values. Not only has God made alive and raised with Christ many who have been unbelievers, but he's also seated with them with Christ. Believers are positioned spiritually in heaven where Christ is. They're no longer mere earthlings. Their citizenship is now heaven. So when we look at this verse and all of this saving and all of this grace, when we look at this verse that's like, how is this possible? In verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him that our everything is wiped out. And now he takes the son of God and we're sitting next to him? You. 
You have no right to be anywhere near him. I certainly don't. You certainly don't. I know some of your stories. You shouldn't be anywhere near him. Those who know my story, like my word, Jason, there's no way you should be anywhere near God because of the sin that has so riddled us. But the debt is forgiven. The identity now is that the deflection of sin is off of you because of Jesus Christ, and now you get to sit next to him in the heavenly realms. Maybe we don't talk about this kind of God enough. Maybe we don't think about this type of God enough. Maybe we don't focus in Ephesians verses 2, 1 to 10 enough because this beautiful passage brings us all together to say, who is this God that loves so much, canceled debt, loved me, seated me now next to the King of Kings for eternity? Why did God do all of this? It's pretty simple. For his glory. Because it's not about you. If you think, oh, it's all about me, you're back to the sin nature. God did it because God is love to show on display for generations, to be able to ring through and say, look how merciful. This is mercy. This is love because God is mercy. God is love. He did these things so it displays the beauty of who God is. You're just the recipients of an unbelievable God. Think about those times when you couldn't pay anything back. We think about those times when those debt collectors are calling, that feeling. I often two times forget this passage and I feel like God's like that sometimes to me. I haven't done enough. I owe him. I better be better at something. I better do those things. I better read my Bible more. I better do this. I better do that. God's mad at me. I owe God. We can't pay him back. God paid it because he's merciful and loving and kind. And this is what we find out in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. If you memorize no other verses in this, I, I can challenge you. Memorize this passage, but at least put this up somewhere in your home. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith and is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. All of this happens because of God's grace. Salvation comes because of God's grace. He saved us and not because of us. He saved us because he is holy. You can't go to church enough. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough. You can't love enough. You can't serve enough. You can't enough. That is grace. The weight of feeling you need to be good enough for God has broken too many backs for too long. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 make it clear as day. It is grace by which you are saved. And that grace is the most expensive thing in the entire universe because it cost the Son of God his life. It is the most expensive element, if there could be an element ever created, is grace of God. Because of God's grace, you've been saved so that you can't go around back to our sin nature and say, look at me, I saved myself. I pastored way better than all you. Good luck in heaven. I'm in. You might be in. I don't care. I do me. We change the whole narrative when we start to say, I can somehow earn my way there. I really want you to get this through your head. I've said this lots of times, but be very clear. I am no closer to heaven because I work at a church. If you think a pastor or a clergy, and definitely not Pastor Nick Jankowski, he's way out. <laughs> but if you, for something in your head says, those guys are way in, and I have to try to work to be that, you do not understand Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. 
It's by grace I am saved. And because I'm saved by grace, I chose and said, God, call me. I want to do what you want. So everybody hears about the love that God has for us has nothing to do with what we do. We are all the same friends, saved by grace, in need of a master that masters the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we get to share with him in eternity. There's no works you can do. Depending on your religious background, that comes as a little bit of a shock sometimes. Maybe you've heard, uh, I heard that, but I also have to add a couple of things to it. Let me be clear about this. When you are saved by grace and Christ is your Savior, your life is now transformed into a new way of thinking in which your life is given freely. For much is received, much is given. If you do things, it's out of love. I serve God. And we're going to find out that you have a new identity. Actually, your whole purpose is to now serve and to walk in the way of God. But that doesn't change salvation. That is grace. Your actions now are a reflection of a life transformed. Sometimes we hear, depending on your background, if you do these seven things, do these ten things, then God is going to be, in so many words, appeased. God is appeased because of his son, Jesus Christ, and Christ alone. Let's stop trying to steal his glory and give it all to God. Don't rob Jesus his glory. You can't save yourself. He already did it. Humble yourself on your knees to the master who did the work. That's harder to do because I have to humble myself and say, I need a savior. I can't earn my way there. So as I humble myself to my knees, I now start to transform my life into seeing who is truly God and I'm not part of it. That's what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 shares with us. And friends, that truth should be so freeing today. If you are carrying guilt and shame because you're not a good enough Christian, be free today. You never will be. If you're holding guilt and shame because you don't do enough Christian things, maybe you're saying, I'm still exploring Jesus. I don't really know yet. Be free today to know that God's love and mercy and grace is upon all of us. But something happens when you give your life to this master. You go from the world of evil and sin that we talked about into the world of light. You go from dead to alive, from broken to healed. Life now becomes transformed because of the gospel. Maybe you've run into some Christians like that who've, I mean, I'll use the word pious. They believe that their Christianity, their walk, their disciplines is better than everybody else in the room. They'll lead a Bible study. They've got all the answers. You start to say, hey, so I went to the swimming pool yesterday, and they start quoting a Bible verse like, whoa, there's a Bible verse about swimming pools? Like, they, they, that person, if you've ever been in contact with that person, you start to ask questions like, well, why aren't I as good as him? The truth is, he or she is not better than you. The truth is, in Ephesians, we're just like all of mankind. God's love is so deep for us, and God is so radically different. It's not what you do that saves you. It's who you are. And Paul wraps it up in verse 10. And here's the whole story. We have a new identity. You're now created to do good for God, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Verse 10 gives a tremendous insight into God's plan of salvation. He calls us his workmanship or his artwork from, it's a Greek word called poema. Like we are a literal creation, handiwork, created by God. 
What is your value today? You were created by God. I don't believe that. I don't feel that, Jason. That's because you're not thinking through the lens of God's kingdom. You're thinking through the world of sin. You were created with a purpose. You were created God's handiwork. We're something specifically created in Christ Jesus for good works. So now we go from death to life, and now what's really crazy is that the verse tells us that through Christ, because now that we are saved and now we're seated with him, we're on the journey and we're working with him. So you go from not part of God's story to you're alongside Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms made for good works here on earth while you're here. And who knows what's going to happen in heaven. But I do know this. You're not an angel on a cloud with a harp. We made that up. Nowhere in scripture does it say that. We have a better, bigger purpose than that. We are God's handiwork created for a purpose. And this beautiful thing is now God redeems us. You're with Jesus and you're in the heavenly realms. And he says, I send you on mission now. You were created for a purpose. And now that you are redeemed, your purpose now is revealed. I want you to go and make disciples and transform the world and let them know that God loves them. You have a purpose beautifully, perfectly made by God that was corrupted that God redeems because of Jesus Christ. It is an unbelievable story when you think about that because at the beginning of time you have a purpose. Your identity is that you're freed by grace. Friends, you're free. You may know Jesus, but you're not living free. Maybe you're new to this story and you're like, I'm not free. You are freed through Jesus Christ. You are freed by grace. You don't owe anything to God. Jesus paid it. If you've heard that message before, would you soak on it today? Because I know even though I talk about this, there's many days I don't believe it. There are days when I sit there and I just don't think it's true. There's days I go backwards. There's days I think there's no way. There's no way. And I get also kind of frustrated sometimes. Like, God, how in the world, how in the world can you love me? I'll never forget when my son was first born. He was in, he just moved to a bed, probably about one and a half, two years old. And so I sat on the edge of my bed praying for my son. As I sat there praying, an overwhelming feeling come into my heart. As hot tears ran down my face, I said, God, there's no way you can love me as much as I love him. And I got more mad. I said, there's no way. There's no way you can love me as much as I love my son. There's no way. I got more and more mad, and the tears got hotter and hotter, and I just started weeping. And God put on my heart that day, there's no way you can love him as much as I love you, because I gave up my son. There's no way you can love him as much as I love you, because I gave up my son. That's our father. So today, we celebrate. We celebrate fathers. We celebrate fatherdom. We celebrate these things, and rightfully so. But friends, today, let's celebrate the freedom of grace given to us through Jesus Christ. Because there's no way we can love anybody as much as he loves us. Because he, the God, the father, 
the master of the universe gave up his son. So you have, can be freed and you now have an identity. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.